0: Today's solo edition of Wrapping Up, week 12 of Wrapping Up, is brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the number one ticket app for buying and selling tickets. Sports fans, ticket fans in general, use my code to get $20 off your first purchase. That's sporting events, concerts, comedy, and much, much more. Use my code grind hour at checkout to get 20 dollars off first purchase at sea or the sea app sea geek life's an event we have the tickets riding solo on this one on uh, the hall of famer is a is busy today he uh he and i didn't link up yesterday i wasn't really feeling all that well and he had stuff to do so the show must go on and it's riding solo so where do i want to start on this week 12 edition of wrapping up let's start in college football because that's where i think i have to just pour my feelings out over this michigan loss it's rough Uh, i wrote a an article for the excelsior which is coming out on wednesday about a little bit about my feelings on harbaugh and how Michigan fans shouldn't be selling him out to the Wolves saying we didn't beat Ohio State in his in his tenure which is true but he's done a lot more for this program than just lose to Ohio State I think if you pin losing to Ohio State on him too much it'll just ruin his legacy at at his alma mater and, and that's not it's bigger than that it, his tenure here is bigger than just the loss the the, the losing streak against Ohio State we Michigan hasn't beat, beaten Ohio State since the turn of the century, which is just awful to think about. But there was a couple of key plays in this game where I thought the game just totally flipped. Um, I think after the muff punt by Ohio State at the end of the first half, going down and giving up a field goal completely turns the momentum back in Ohio State's favor. They, get, they got the ball after half. And that touchdown after half, that was the turning point in the game. The game was over at that point. It went from a five-point game to a 12-point game. And then the wheels just started falling off. Um, they went, they got a stop on defense, went down and scored another touchdown. And the, the, the air was completely out of Michigan sales. The, the shoe was going absolutely crazy. And then the... The blocked punt was just insult to injury. The game was way over before that. Way over. So, I mean, it happens. The worst game of the year just happened to come on the last one and, and in the biggest game of the year. I, I think the play calling with Karan Higdon was completely messed up. He didn't get the ball at all in the first half. And when he did get the ball, he didn't do much with it. I think they he's the The straw that stirs the drink for this team and getting him involved in the offense early and often is just, it's a must. It's an absolute, there's no Michigan offense without Karan Higdon. And I don't know what was up with the play call. I don't know if he was hurt. I don't know if he missed a practice and they were trying to teach him a lesson or something, but he just, he didn't play well. And Gentry, the tight end, didn't play well. He got hurt at the the middle of the second half there. But in the first half, he had a couple of key drops, which were drive killers. And the offensive line honestly forgot how to block in the second half. Every single drop back in the second half, Ohio State was coming free. And you just can't win football games, especially when you're down like that, with with pressure in, in the quarterback's face. So... I mean, to pin it just on Harbaugh is no. You pin it, the entire team lost this game. No one played well. Nobody. And and it doesn't help that, you know, half the team got hurt throughout various parts of, of the game. So, I mean, a bowl game is nice. It would have been, I mean, obviously it's not where Michigan fans want to be coming at the end of the season going into championship time. Obviously, the Wolverines want to be playing for the Big Ten title, which, I mean, I think if we got there, we would have easily breezed through Northwestern and then found ourselves in in the playoff. But we're on the outside looking in. There's no way in hell unless every single team in question except for Georgia loses, um, and Georgia and Notre Dame loses this weekend upcoming. There's no way Michigan gets in. And even if they get in, losing to Notre Dame and Ohio State are two massive losses that will go against Michigan in the eyes of the committee. So you're looking at a really good bowl game but just not a you're not in the playoff and that that it burns it really does because 2 years ago when Ohio State beat you by a fraction of a yard and, and a gift from the referee. That's one thing. But to completely have destiny in your hands and take care of business up to the point where you win one game and you're in. Even if they lose against uh, Northwestern, if they they beat Ohio State, they're in the playoff. I, I don't think you could have uh, kept Michigan out of the conversation if they lost to Northwestern. In in the, the Big Ten title game, but I don't think that would have happened. So it's rough. It really is. And I think personally, John Harbaugh's job should not be touched. I think he should get an extension. What he's done for this program at a basketball school, in a basketball conference, is extraordinary. And the culture that he has here cannot be duplicated anywhere in the country outside of maybe Clemson or Alabama. So that's my two cents on that. Moving to the playoff, the rankings were announced. Uh, they're not a, the, These are obviously not the official ones. The official ones come later tonight. But as it stands right now, Bama at 1, Clemson at 2, Notre Dame at 3, Georgia at 4, Oklahoma 5, Ohio State 6, UCF 7. I did an article last week, uh, or actually no, excuse me, In the same article that's coming out on Wednesday, I gave my chances for the final ranking. Who has the best chance of getting in the final ranking if all things go according to what they're predicted to. And my rankings were, I think, Ohio State has the best chance to get in. Assuming that they beat Northwestern in the Big Ten title game. Then... Oklahoma, then UCF, and then Georgia. And I'm just going to give you a brief summary on why. Ohio State, that's a huge resume win. Beating the fourth team in the country at the time by a large margin is what the committee wants this time of year. The selection committee is extremely, extremely just and this is to a fault, they go off a recency bias. It's which what, which what have you done for me lately. And that win against Michigan, boosting them into the Big Ten title game, and then propelling them to a possible Big Ten championship is definitely something that the committee wants. Also, I think it's time for the Big Ten to get some recognition in the playoff and get their due because the Big Ten has been screwed Three out of the four years the playoff has been implemented. So getting just Ohio State clear cut number one. Number two, with Oklahoma, look. It's I don't like this. I don't think I've been I was telling Nick all weekend that everything in the Big Ten should be discounted and they should not be allowed in the playoff because. I mean it's it's 7 on 7. That's the new nickname for the Big 12 is the 7 on 7 conference because there's no defense and all the stats and records are jaded because no one plays defense in the Big 12. And I don't think Oklahoma should get in, but if they beat Texas and get the Big 12 twi- the Big 12 title, that's hard to say. They're obviously going to be a front runner especially with a Heisman award candidate and Kyler Murray running the ship and being basically the entire team because without him, Oklahoma probably doesn't win a game because their defense is 126th out of 150 schools in, in the country. So there too. UCF, I think, should get in. I honestly think that they should they, they are an independent school, but and that for a long time has been pushed against them. But Notre Dame's a, a independent school. They're in the playoff. They're number 3. So I think going 11 and 0 having the longest winning streak in college football right now is a storyline and I mean the playoffs entertainment. So and and being 11 and 0 undefeated as one of the best teams in the country, how could you not put them in? I I the, the argument for independence, the independent schools thing, is completely null and void with Notre Dame in there. And if I think you leave out UCF, that's just—I mean, you're you're count, you're picking and choosing. You can't. There's no morals to this committee. If I don't think it's fair to—I mean, it deludes Notre Dame's c- candidacy as well if you don't put in UCF. Because if you don't, then you're picking and choosing. You don't have a, a base to go on with these independent schools. What what warrants a top four ranking if Notre Dame's undefeated? And UCF is is as well, and they don't get in. I don't think you can penalize one school who has the longest winning streak in the country. They've gone undefeated two seasons in a row. What more can they do to get in the playoff? Honestly. And I know we Nick and I were just hounding on UCF fans last year. But, I mean, they did it again. They went undefeated again, and they shut all the critics up. So I think putting them in as the number four definitely could happen, especially if both Oklahoma and Ohio State lose on on, on Saturday. There's a clear-cut winner in, in UCF. I don't even think Georgia gets in, even if they beat Alabama. So... Talking about that, Georgia, they need a lot of help. And the help that they need is just they're they're the only team that controls their own destiny with the four teams remaining that could get that one spot. If they beat Alabama in the SEC championship game and they get the SEC title, there's no way in hell that the committee is leaving out the SEC champion. I also don't think that they're leaving out a one-loss uh, a one loss Alabama team if that happens. So, the rankings right now would remain the same, and I'm fine with that. I think Clemson would probably jump to one, Notre Dame would probably jump to two, and then Bama would be three, or um, Georgia would be three and Bama would be four, but I'm fine with that. That's not... If that happens, yes, UCF would still be undefeated, but... You can't leave out, one, you can't leave leave out Bama. We've been over that. And two, you can't leave out the SEC champion. You just can't. So, and Nick, I'm sure, has thoughts on this, and we'll get to him probably next week um, when the official rankings have been announced. I'm looking forward to that. But moving on to the pro circuit, where they get paid to play. We're starting off local. The Todd Bowles epidemic with should they fire him, should they not? I think it's cut and dry. I think at the end of the year, both McCagan and Bowles will be gone. And the search for a new head coach begins now. And I think there are three candidates. One, I don't think is even in question right now, because I think he is probably going to still have a job. And that's Jim Harbaugh's brother, John. There was reports earlier in the year that both the Ravens and John Harbaugh were going to just split ties and go their separate ways at the end of the season. But right now they're six and five and they're the sixteenth, the sixth seed in the AFC East or the in the AFC. And I don't think you can. I mean, if you're the Ravens, if you make the playoffs with a coach, why fire them? He's got you there. He's won you a Super Bowl. He's had sustained success with this franchise. The players love him in the locker room. You have your quarterback of the future in Lamar Jackson. Why fire him? So I don't think he's even going to be on the board. So that turns my attention to two coaches that are offensive coordinators right now, and that's Pete Carmichael Jr., uh, the offensive coordinator for the New Orleans Saints, and Norv Turner, the offensive coordinator For the Carolina Panthers, Carmichael Jr., I think, has to be at the top of the board for the Jets. Look, the last two coaches for the Jets have been defensive-minded coaches, and it's clearly not worked. And with the day and age where 105 points are being scored between two teams and no defense is being played, you have to go offense. Look at what the Rams did. Look at what the Vikings are doing. Look at what the Chiefs are doing. Look at what the Saints are doing and Carmichael Jr has been in that system with Breeze for 9 years. He was hired in, in 2009. He went to a, he won, he won a Super Bowl with the Saints. I think it's time that you just throw a boatload of money at this guy, say what do you know? Can you come in, teach our rookie quarterback how to be a professional in the league and how to be the next Drew Breeze and you move on with your life. I, I don't th- and you get his offensive mind in there and you just see what you can do on the offense. I think the defense will be fine. Leonard Williams is a stud. Jamal Adams is a bona fide superstar. Marcus May is a good complementary in in the in the, uh, in the secondary. I like. I'm I'm not giving up on Drumaine Johnson. He's been hurt for majority of the year. I still think he has talent there. I I still think Clayborne is a decent corner. I like Buster Screen. I love Daryl Roberts. So I think your secondary is fine. Linebackers, you got uh, Darren Lee, who's come on as a decent middle linebacker. I think he could be a nice core piece to that uh, linebacker group. I still think it needs a little bit of help. Jordan Jenkins is iffy. He's a really streaky player. So you could see what you have there. But the, the question is, for the Jets, is what are do you doing in an offense? Because that's really where they lose a lot of their games. Their defense hangs in there, and we've been saying that for, seems like a hundred years at this point, but the offense just doesn't have spunk and the chaputzpah to to make plays, and the absence, I've been saying it all year, the absence of the big play is what kills the Jets. If they could just have a 40-yard play here, a 35-yard play here, a 20-yard run here, they will score more points, they'll put more pressure on, on the opposing defense and their their defense will play better because they'll be inspired to get their offense back on the on the field and and have them score points. I and the other the other one with with Turner, look at what he's done with Cam Newton. As Cam's enter he's, he's in his 20 year, year 29 season, he's going on 30. 2700 yards, 22 touchdowns, 7 picks. And he, he's added 417 on the ground with four with four other touchdowns. And Cam Cam is a mobile quarterback. He's a dual-threat quarterback. And North Turner has turned him into a pocket passer. If everything stays according to plan right now with Carolina, Cam will have his worst season on the ground as to in terms of yards and touchdowns of his career, but he might have his best year as a pocket passer. So teaching Darnold when to when to run, what to look for in the pocket, how to maneuver the pocket, could just work wonders for his development. And I think getting a guy like North Turner, I know he hasn't had that much success as a head coach, but having two successful um, offensive coordinating jobs, one in, in Denver with Peyton Manning, then I think he went to Houston, and now he's in... Carolina, that track record holds up, and the, the Chargers head coaching gig seems like a far ways away, and it is. He hasn't coached since 2010, so getting him back in the ranks I think will be a great idea, and speaking of the Texans, I think I have to do a little bit of, re, of a rebuttal with, with this Texans team. I said that they weren't any good. I didn't think Bill O'Brien was that good of a head coach. I got a I gotta eat my words on that. This Texans team is on fire. They have the second uh, longest winning streak in the league behind the Saints with eight, or with eight, or seven or eight, in a, no, yeah, seven or eight in a row. They they've won eight in a row. They were 0-3, and then they just rattled off eight in a row. This defense, I think, is the second or third best in the league with Watt and Clowney anchoring it. Tyron Matthew seems like the best pickup of the season. At the safety position, Demarius Thomas is a great compliment to Hopkins and Lamar Miller on offense. And Deshaun Watson's playing like the Deshaun Watson that we saw before the ACL injury last year. So that is always a plus. And he could definitely be in the MVP conversation. I don't think he'll win it, but he's definitely going to get some votes with with this team rattling off eight eight in a row. And they probably can get... Eleven plus wins with the way that their schedule uh, just goes along as as the season wraps up here with the with the last five weeks. Why not? Really, why not? The Texans look like a serious contender to the Chiefs right now with the way that they're playing defense. And I know it was against the banged up Mariota, but eight in a row is eight in a row in this league, and you can't you can't shy away from that. Wrapping this quick podcast up it was really quick, but that's what happens when you go solo. You just rattle things off. So here's where the fourth ball breaking comes in. Editing this podcast on a on Thursday, the just right after the Cowboys beat the Saints. And the rest of this podcast was supposed to be the preview to that game, which I took the Saints. But as the week progressed, I... More and more like the Cowboys. I actually picked the Cowboys in my Thursday night pick this week. But just a little bit of analysis after the fact. Cowboys played well. They showed up. They did what a team on Thursday night usually does. And it's a little weird that the Cowboys played this well and the Saints didn't play that well. Because both the teams had a week to prepare. Both the the teams played on Thanksgiving, but the Cowboys clearly tonight were the better team. It was a classic trap game for the Saints. I don't think this hinders the Saints at all. I really think this boosts up the season for the Cowboys. Pre-game, they were talking about how the Cowboys were jazzed up for this game and they wanted to play the game on Wednesday night, and they showed out for it. They really did. Hats off to the Cowboys. They played a really, really good game. And, yeah, there's not really much more to say about that. Nick and I will be back on Sunday to officially wrap up Week 13 and talk about the college football rankings and everything else. Giants, Jets, the usual. But until then, Week 12 is officially wrapped up and Week 13 is, a, is officially cracked wide open. So until Sunday... It's closing time. You don't have to go home, but you cannot stay here. Peace.